the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, January the 9th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On January 9, 2015, French security forces shot and killed two Al-Qaeda-linked brothers. They were suspected of carrying out the rampage at the satirical newspaper Charlie Hebdo. Uh, they claimed It claimed 12 lives, their attack. Charlie Hebdo is kind of like the Babylon Bee here in the U.S. It's um, They run stories as though they're true. I mean, they treat them as though they're true, but it's satirical, and it's, it's widely read in Europe, as is the Babylon Bee here in the United States. Today in 1788, Connecticut became the fifth state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. Today in 1861, Mississippi became the second state to secede from the nation. Today, in 1913, Richard Nixon, Richard Milhouse Nixon, the 37th president of the United States, was born in Yorba Linda, California. Today, in 1914, the county of Los Angeles opened the county's first public defender's office. Today, in 1945, during World War II, American forces began landing in the Philippines. As the Battle of Luzon got underway, it resulted in an Allied victory over imperial Japanese forces. Today, 1951, the United Nations headquarters in New York officially opened. I won't go into how I feel about the United Nations. If you listen to this program regularly, you know it should have never opened anywhere, much less in New York. Today, in 1958, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, in his State of the Union address to Congress, warned of the threat of communist imperialism. He said that would be the next big threat to the U.S. today in 1958. Today in 1972, reclusive billionaire Howard Hughes, remember him? He was speaking by telephone from the Bahamas to reporters in Hollywood, and uh, he said that a purported autobiography about him, as told to writer Clifford Irving, was a fake. Remember when he passed away, there was all this stuff about his estate, and uh, there was a, something where he had left the money, to, I think it was to the Mormon Church or, or some other group like that. Um, all of that was, was kind of contrived. I mean, it was a, a fake for the most part, as I recall. But he kind of lived his life, life he was a weird guy, really. But he kind of lived his life uh, on the edge of, of just a crisis all the time. Maybe he needed that to uh, get him through the day. I don't know. But nonetheless, he said the autobiography written by this guy was uh, this Clifford Irving was a fake. It wasn't true. The Chinese state uh, media today said a preliminary investigation today in 2020 Investigation into recent cases of viral pneumonia had identified the probable cause as a new type of coronavirus. <coughs> Boy, we remember that. 
don't we? They were right. It was a coronavirus. And it originated from Wuhan. But we don't say that anymore because we manipulate what news we hear and how we hear it and the words that are used to repeat, report the news because we live in a very relativistic world nowadays. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Authorities in El Paso, they tore down migrant encampments under cover of darkness. They dispatched hundreds of migrants across the border to Mexico ahead of President Biden's Sunday visit. He got there yesterday. First time, possibly the first time he's ever been to the border. But he said, no, he was there. He was there. As it turns out, he, he may have driven by in, the, in a car. He wasn't driving, but he may have driven been, been driven by the border back in the days when he was vice president uh, with Obama. But even that is questionable by some who were there. They said, no, they didn't see him anywhere near the border. But as president and in a crisis that we have at the southern border, he has not he has never been there until this weekend. And of course, it was very controlled and and very uh, manipulated for the press. And the press dutifully followed through and reported in the way that they were expected to do so. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that today. But first, I wanted to just thank all of you who support this ministry we, uh, I was fairly uh, direct, and I talked about it several times uh, as we were coming to the end of this past year, and during the Christmas holiday and New Year, New Year's, of course. And um, I just told you that we need your support. These are very trying, very difficult times. I've been in public ministry my entire adult life, and um, I. I it, if you preach the gospel, it has never been easy. That's why some pastors, and I, I don't say this critically at all, I, I say it with a little bit of sadness, because some of them are my closest friends, I mean really close friends, over time. I've seen this happen in their lives. But pastors have, in some cases, sort of restructured their preaching and their sermons because there is a lot of resistance to the gospel, to the truth, God's truth in our culture, and it has become increasingly so over the last, oh, probably 10, 15, 20 years. During the years I was on television, we dealt with this. Uh, KOIN TV in Portland originated my program. They they produced it. Uh, we produced the content, but they produced the program. It was the only program in history in the, in the United States, according to them, that was ever produced by a major network affiliate, and we were on affiliate stations around the country. But even in those days, there was sort of the the introduction of what we're seeing today, and they got sued a couple of times because of things I said on television, on the air, and um, which was fine. It, it all worked out. But the, the intensity from then to now that's during the span of my lifetime. I'm over 40, as many of you know. And I have seen it become so much more. The, 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 the resistance is so aggressive, and it is so deadly now. I mean, it, it, kill a career, you know, move people out, destroy people's lives, whatever. I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking in general. I mean, I'm one of the bunch, but I'm I'm only one of the bunch. But if you stay true and you 
preach the gospel, even in love, as we should. There is a resistance to this. And so I say that only not to say, wow, it's really tough. It isn't. I am honored to be able to talk to you today. I'm honored to serve the Lord in this way, and I'm honored to have been in the ministry. I am not worthy of any of it. And I'm probably not good enough to be on the radio, but here we are, and I am honored. But it has become more and more and more difficult to say anything of any substance publicly. And I don't see it getting better anytime soon. So that creates um, more costs than you would normally have just to carry on a ministry if it's in the media. There's legal costs. There's all kinds of things that we have to do now to be careful not to change the message, but to protect ourselves from those who will attack the message and the messenger when we do that. So that there's that added cost, and it, that's not something I talk about on the program very often, and I'm not going to in the future, but just know that. And in that context, thank you so much for your support. We could not do this without you. If, if, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. And so thank you so much for your support, and thank you for your prayers and all of the encouraging words that you send with us. And thank you for remembering that January has its own budget, and it must be met. And thank you for standing with us financially each month so that we can continue to do what we're doing here on the radio. If you feel it's important, if you don't feel it has any value, then don't support it. But if you do, thank you so much. And if you've been thinking about it or praying about it, you haven't uh, supported the ministry, but you feel like it it should be out there and we should be saying what we're saying on the radio and doing what we're doing, join us. Ask the Lord to direct you and what he would have you to do and join us. We need you. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. You can also contribute there. There's other information on our website, of course, but there's a tab for you to contribute there as well. Joe Biden was greeted. He went to the border yesterday, finally. He was greeted with a scathing letter. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. I want to talk to you a little bit about the pretense, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the deception of what happened yesterday with the president. But he was greeted with this scathing letter I mean, as he got off the airplane, literally, after two years in office at a border that has wreaked havoc on the United States, Biden finally went to the border. As he stepped off the base of Air Force One, Greg Abbott, Republican governor of Texas, he was first in line to greet the president. He presented him then with this scathing letter condemning his late visit. Your visit to the southern border with Mexico today is $20 billion too little and two years too late, Abbott said in the letter. Moreover, your visit avoids the sites where mass illegal immigration occurs and sidesteps the thousands of angry Texas property owners whose lives have been destroyed by your border policies. (laughs) Welcome to our state, Mr. President. 
it appeared that Biden started to read the letter. I mean, there's video of him kind of looking at it, and he got it, got it from the governor, the largest state in the lower 48 as far as land mass and so on. And so he started to look at it. Then he folded it up real quickly, and uh, he gave Abbott a handshake. Abbott was was injured in a, I think it was an automobile accident a few years ago, as you may know, and he's in a wheelchair, but he's extremely active and very conservative and, and is not a big supporter of President Biden and his policies. But anyway, he gave uh, Abbott a handshake. Then he turned and he greeted some others around him, kind of moved away from him. But the letter, I read what the letter said uh, in advance of our program today. The letter said, your open border policies have emboldened the cartels who grow wealthy by tra- trafficking deadly fentanyl and even human beings. The letter said, uh, I'm quoting excerpts from it, Texans are paying an especially high price for your failure, sometimes with their very lives, as local leaders from your party will tell you if they're given a chance. He said that uh, he went on to criticize the city of El Paso being sanitized before Biden touched down. Abbott laid out a plan that he wants the Biden administration to follow to ensure illegal immigration and the import of drugs stop entering the U.S. I'll just share with you a couple of bullet points, and then I want to move on on this. I've got a lot to say today. But anyway, in the bullet points that Abbott gave the president was, one, you must comply with the many statutes mandating the various categories of migrants shall be detained and end the practice of unlawfully paroling migrants in mass. Uh, secondly, you must stop sandbagging the implementation of the Remain in Mexico policy in Title 42 expulsions. Those are Trump uh, policies that worked very well. Um, and, for, and fully enforce those measures as the federal courts have ordered you to do. Uh, another bullet point, he said, you must aggressively prosecute illegal entry between ports of entry and allow ICE to remove illegal immigrants in accordance with existing federal laws. And then uh, there were a couple of more bullet points. The other, uh, the, the next to the last one was, you must immediately resume construction of the border wall in the state of Texas using the billions of dollars Congress has appropriated for that purpose. And finally, he said, you must designate uh, the Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. There's more, but you get the, the drift of the message. I mean, it was to the point. Talk about being, you know, straight talk, talking about, a message that is clear and and kind of collides with the culture today. That was it. And uh, he delivered uh, very well. So the authorities, as I said, had torn down the migrant encampments under the cover of darkness. They were hustling people out. There's a lot of video of it, taking them out, even taking them back across the border before President Biden would show up for his first visit to the southern border. There were six buses loaded with mostly Venezuelan migrants. They were spotted crossing the downtown bridge in Juarez around midnight or so. The frontier, I mean, the city was getting them out of the way so nobody would see them. And the frontier city in Mexico, uh, to War, they took them to Juarez, which is a frontier city in Mexico on Saturday. The police escorted dozens more across the pedestrian crossing. Biden officials created an illusion So the president and the press could pretend everything at the border is under control, and the president dropped as he dropped by yesterday. I remarked, as I looked at this and I was reading about I was interested in it, of course, but I was reminded of Gregor Saylor's book, and you probably haven't heard of it, but 
it made its way around kind of in the universities and, and stuff, and they debated it and one thing or another. It's not a Christian book at all. But it was titled The Podicum Village, and it's a book about how governments create illusions and deceptions. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Based on this visit, it was a deception from right from the get-go. A lot of Americans feel like one of the illegals, the Daily Caller, which is a, a news organization, was, it was started, he was one of the co-founders of it, was Tucker Carlson. I think he still owns a part of it, I'm not sure. But anyway, I know he started it with, with another guy. But the Daily Caller had a, a reporter down there, and uh, he was talking to some of the illegals. And this, this illegal guy told this Daily Caller reporter, he said, I think officials are playing with us. And, you know, I had to think a lot of American citizens feel the same way. They kind of identify with this illegal alien. But a Border Patrol agent who did not want to be identified told the New York Post that more than 200 people were sent back to Mexico just on Saturday alone and hundreds more under the, you know, under the cover of darkness. People are saying that if you are out in the streets, the Border Patrol will get you and deport you because the president is coming to El Paso and they don't want to show him the reality of things. This was a quote by Maria Rodriguez, 23. She's from Venezuela. She's illegal, sleeping on the street there, trying to get processed so she can become, you know, an American the illegal way. She told the Post she was living in a dumpster in El Paso for the last three days. She said, I hope we get shelter tonight because it took us a lot of courage to get out of the dumpster after three days. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's true. And my heart goes out to those people. I know they're looking for freedom, but there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. That is the wrong way. And, and I mean, it's got to be dealt with or the country they're trying to get into, the United States of America, will no longer be the United States of America and nobody potentially could want to live here. Another Venezuela migrant told the Post that he's been sleeping on the porch of a downtown church. He was angry with Biden. He said, President Biden, this is an illegal alien from Venezuela. He said, President Biden has lied to us. He made false promises to migrants when he took office in 2021. I think, I and, and this Enrique uh, this Joan Enrique said, I really think politicians are playing with us. He's 21 years old. Both sides, Democrats and Republicans, are playing with us, these illegals are saying. We are props to them because, like Biden, he first said he wanted to help us, and then he shut the border down, and we can't find a way to get legal in this country. Well, there is a way to get legal. You go through the process. And we just need a president. I, Trump did that. But we just need a president to stand up and say, we welcome the immigrant. But there is a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. And we're not going to let you do, do it the illegal way, because it will ruin the country that you're trying to get into. Man, if I know that, why don't they? Critics slammed El Paso authorities for trying to sanitize the chaos ahead of Biden's visit. El Paso being cleaned up as if nothing unusual ever happened there. Just in time for Biden's visit to the border, tweeted this uh, Border Patrol Union guy, the head of the union. He said, we suggest landing in Des Moines, Iowa, and tell him it, telling him it's El Paso, talking about the president. He'll never know the difference. 
The Border Patrol Union has complained of low morale, well, obviously so, among the frontline agents who have had to deal with a historic number of migrants crossing the southern border illegally in 2022. More than 2.4 million migrants have crossed a nearly 2,000-mile border with Mexico with tens of thousands pouring into El Paso and into the nation in recent weeks. Saturday, the Daily Caller reported hundreds of illegal immigrants are sleeping on the streets, on city buses, in the cold weather. Crime is rampant the night before President Joe Biden is set to visit El Paso. Biden's visit yesterday was his first trip, as I said, to the border, at least as president, some say ever. It's amazing. This has never happened before. We've never had people, I want to say, in the history of El Paso, sleeping on the streets the way they're sleeping on the streets now. As former councilwoman, city councilwoman, Claudia Rodriguez, told The Caller and several other news organizations, El Paso was in chaos before Biden's arrival with hundreds of illegal immigrants sleeping on the streets. It looked like Portland and Seattle. There's tents and people sleeping on the sidewalk all over the place. And they're illegal aliens from Venezuela and all over the world, certainly from Central America and Mexico, but from elsewhere. But the Biden administration claims things are getting much better. They were busy telling the press that the the number of illegal immigrants coming to the city has dropped, um, I'm quoting them, since the peak in December when it was 2,000 a day, it's dropped to a current number of 700 a day, According to the Homeland Security Secretary, Alondro Mayorkas, he was telling the press, and they were celebrating with him. They said, wow, this is great. 700 people a day in El Paso alone, illegally coming across the border. We don't know who they are, and we don't know where they go once they put their feet on American soil. We should, but we don't. And at least three or four or five times, when I was reading the reports of what the officials were saying to the press at the border yesterday is we're making great progress. Really? I was reminded of the book, Podicum Village. Back in 2017, this Gregor Saylor captured almost two dozen fake urban landscapes for a new photograph book that he was publishing back then. It did well, uh, I guess, as far as picture books go. He captured Junction City and 21 other fake urban landscapes for his new book. His new book was not about policy. It wasn't about politics, really. It was about art, and it included a New York-themed downtown that was built in Sweden to test cars for road safety so they would pass tests in America. It was about a Russian city with elaborate facades disguising forlorn buildings in a Dutch hamlet in China that tourists could visit for a taste of Europe instead of actually going there. Sometimes they're more real and other times they're more of an illusion, Sailor says in his book. He said, I'm jumping between these two worlds and that's what makes it exciting for me. President Biden and his so-called progressives also jump between the two worlds of reality and make-believe. That's what progressives always do because their worldview is rooted in relativism, not reality. 
The original term, Potokan Village, it comes from a story, a true story, verified, dating back to the 18th century in Russia. It's suggesting that an artificial place can be built to disguise or conceal the true and often less desirable identity of the original. What happened back in the 18th century in Russia was that things were not going as they should have been and as expected. And the Empress, Empress Catherine II was going to visit Crimea. This is in 1787. The Russian governor, Gregor Potokum, he went out, and the cities were in disarray. I mean, they looked, like I said, they looked like Seattle and Portland and Chicago and whatever, only worse. So he went out, and he had people construct like a facade in front of these buildings that were in disarray. I mean, they were like abandoned. They were in terrible, terrible shape. So he has these facades built, and this Catherine, this is 1787, She's they put her on this barge. It's a real plush barge, and she's going down the rivers uh, there in, in Crimea, and the, the villages or homes that you can see, or little towns that you can see from the barge, they went in and put these facades in front of all the buildings. They were brand new. They were painted. It looked like the city was like A1, like I want to move here. It was great. And she was so impressed with it. And she came home and she told the press and the newspaper and everything. She said, everything is so clean and tidy and so well cared for. And this governor is doing a wonderful job. And I'm so impressed and on and on and on. And the papers, of course, reported all of that without looking into it. But the illusion includes convincing the public that the criteria now for social issues They have built a facade in front of that as well. And all of this thing that went on at the border yesterday, which was much to do, really, about nothing that Biden is going to do to fix it, in my view. But all of this reminds me of a bigger picture and a more dire situation that we're faced with today. The news media and the government are entwined in these vicious, in a vicious circle of mutual manipulation and myth-making and self-interest. Journalists need crises to demonstrate and dramatize their news, and government officials need to appear to be responding to the crisis and making progress, as they say now. Too often the crises are not real crises, but joint fabrications. The two institutions have become so ensnared in a symbiotic web of lies that the news media are unable to tell the public what is true, and the government is unable to govern effectively. The news media and the government have created a charade that serves their best interests but misleads the public. Officials oblige the media's need for drama by fabricating a crisis and stage managing the responses. We live in a podicum village today based on the fact that the media and the progressive, the left, politicians, which which are in power now with the exception of the House of Representatives, So we live in that kind of an environment, and it's so difficult to get to what is actually true in today's environment. And more and more people are talking about that. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent 
in their own sight. God does not look favorably on calculated deception. That's why Paul wrote to the Colossians, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.